This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. There's a reason that Stacking Benjamins is one of the very top money podcasts on the planet. One of them is Joe Salcihai. He and his co-host, OG, almost single-handedly created a whole genre of shows about money that are actually fun and entertaining and informative when it comes to being much better with your finances and investing and the balance between life and money. On this episode, Joe talks about his new book, Stacked, and his one rule to rule them all. I'm Wes Moss. The prevailing thought in America is that you'll never have enough money and it's almost impossible to retire early. Actually, I think the opposite is true. For more than 20 years, I've been researching, studying, and advising American families, including those who started late, on how to retire sooner and happier. So my mission with the Retire Sooner podcast is to help a million people retire earlier while enjoying the adventure along the way. I'd love for you to be one of them. Let's get started. Joe Salcihai, which is like having royalty on the show. Oh, man. come Seriously. on. Seriously. It is. It's like when you walk through the door, I was like, I don't know. It's like having Kevin Costner walk in the yeah, door right. from my favorite show, Yellowstone. Stop, stop, please stop, uh, stop. Maybe go back. So you're, did you start in Michigan? Like, were you born there? I was. I'm from Kalamazoo, yes. halfway between Detroit and Chicago, West Michigan. Yeah. And uh, uh, my practice, though, was in Detroit when I was a financial planner. So I was a financial planner for 16 years. Yep. I was also a media spokesperson for the big company I was with. Yep. Um, not the, not the, um, you know, the people that do media all the time, but I was the guy they call on that was the, mm-hmm. the knowledge expert. So, and then for nine years, I was the uh, TV guy at Channel 7 in, in Detroit. In Detroit. So you did, you started doing media and, and a financial advisor. You were a financial advisor. You were good yeah. at media and they kept asking you to do more. Yes. By the way, I spent a lot of time in Michigan, so I'm a big Michigan. Did you go, nice. did you go back? Are you a Michigan? I do. We were just in the Upper Peninsula. Oh, you go we, to the UP. We, well, we, we did this time. I don't, I've don't. i only been there maybe twice, mm-hmm. but my wife is on this quest to go to all the national parks. And what a great time, by the way, to go to national parks during COVID, right? Yeah, yeah. You just get out on a trail with nobody around. So we went to Isle Royale, which when you look at it, it looks like it's Isle Royale, but it's yeah. really Isle Royale. And that's above the... Way almost to Canada and Lake Superior. It was a three-hour tour, like Gilligan's Island. It's like a three-hour <laughs> boat ride out to this island. We stayed overnight at the one place where they have electricity and yeah. flush toilets. And uh, it was beautiful. It is beautiful. It, Michigan is so underrated. I used to go to Holland, Michigan. I love it. Uh, all for years, for like 15, 16 years. And then I remember going to the airport once with, I think we back then we maybe had, two, I have four kids or so two of the kids. And I remember the Delta like checking in and we were flying to, maybe it was Grand Rapids. Yeah. And I remember them saying, oh, you're going to Grand Rapids. Like that was a bad thing. And I was like, it's like the, the reputation, it's like the most underrated state. And then We've continued to go back and we go pretty far, almost all the way north before the UP. Yeah. Like Petoskey. Oh, beautiful area. So nice. Great. So it's a great secret. The whole Traverse City. In fact, it's funny when you say great secret. The when you get off the boat at Isle Royal, 
uh, park ranger, uh, because the whole thing is a national park, greets you and you do this mandatory uh, talk where they tell you about the island. And of course, you know, you can't burn things yeah. and whatever. But, but, but he said, as he's finishing his talk, he goes, and, and I'm wrecking it right now by even mentioning this, but he said, we know you're going to like it as much as we do. And if you do, don't tell anybody. <laughs> I, I kind of feel that way too, even though I'm talking about the podcast. Yeah. But the other thing is that it is hard to get to. So I was traveling back and forth to Atlanta to Michigan for like a month, and it was not easy. No, yeah. If you maybe no. if you have a private plane, which you yes. may be on the track to do that, right. but uh, but it was really hard. Like I was driving from Petoskey down to Traverse City. And then, or I would connect in Detroit and come to Atlanta. It's not yeah. easy to get to, no. so I don't think it'll ever get overcrowded. No, that it's makes just, it even makes it even better. So you you decided to, as a financial advisor, financial planner, what was the moment where you're like, I'm out of here? Can you describe oh, to us, yeah. to our audience, like when you decided to get out of or sell the practice? I had a mentor, mm -hmm. um, and he was a guy that kind of oversaw our region for the company I was with. Mm -hmm. And he did something that nobody ever does, Wes. He actually gave us two weeks notice, which if anybody knows that industry, at least the part that I worked in, I worked in like a Jerry Maguire type place where you leave at midnight with all the client files and then everybody's calling them at 6 a.m., yeah. Right. Yeah. But, but he wasn't doing that. He wrote this long note and it said, I've been lucky that I've done a good job of saving mm -hmm. and I don't know really what I want to do with my life. And I know this is really good, but I know he said, and this is a direct quote. He said, I, I know I have other mountains to climb. Huh? And so and this is a, like a, a tenured financial advisor. Yeah. This is a guy who's 40. And mm -hmm. at the time I'm getting ready to turn 40. Mm -hmm. And, and he said, uh, I've got all these other mountains I want to climb. So I'm leaving just so I have the time because I work so much working mm -hmm. on other people's money and other people's goals yeah. that I don't work on my own. So I'm going to take this time. I'm going to figure out what it was. And you know, what's cool. Chris not only influenced me, but a lot of other people. He, when he said other mountains to climb, he climbed Mount Everest twice. He's climbed almost all of the tall peaks in the world. He now runs an adventure travel company in Colorado. Uh -huh. The dude loves what he does. And, and I, so he had another calling too. Big he time. totally did. Well, and, and it was funny for a lot of us. Um, I looked at my life and I said, you know what? I like this. I don't love it. There's mm -hmm. pieces that I really like. I think I would, and I've done a good job saving. I'm going to become a high school teacher and a track coach, mm -hmm. which is really what I wanted. To really? Do. So like that was what you would, in your mind, your financial advisor for 16 years. Yes. Like, I really want to go do this. Yes. Okay. I'm going to yeah. sell the business. Yeah. This bag of money. My wife loves what she does. So luckily we have her income coming in still. So, so yeah. So I sold the business and mm -hmm. I went to school to become a high school teacher and a track coach at age 40. Cause I had other mountains too. Yeah. I learned by the way, and clients of mine that were teachers told me this and God bless teachers, but they said, they said, you're going to spend a lot of time fighting administration. And when I started taking classes to become a teacher, all my professors talked about was how I was going to be fighting administration, administration yeah. and how hard it was going to be to teach at the same time, because I'd done a bunch of media, I had friends saying, Hey, could you write my TV scripts for me? Hmm. So I got hired uh, by a friend just cause it was fun. Mm -hmm. And then another friend, uh, had, you know, his, uh, client newsletters. Yeah. And so, and I would love it when he would tell me, he's like, I love all the stuff I apparently 
actually do with my family. Cause I would make these analogies. <laughs> you know, I took, a, I took Lori and the family camping this weekend and I was sitting around the campfire and I saw these sparks and that made me realize that diversification or what, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, so he's like, I love this makeup stuff that, that, that I do, uh, that were these analogies. And I was having a lot of fun doing that. Yeah. So that then led to a blog. A blog led to the the a podcast and 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 when you guys started that though it was like people were like oh you're gonna do a what yeah in the very right. beginning it was so nascent oh no you know it was horrible with Cheryl telling her friends what I do my wife telling her friends like your your husband does what so he had oh he's a pocket that means he he spends which our show's live he's from in mom's, the basement yeah live from mom's basement right is the stacking Benjamin show and uh, yeah when you first started doing that you did it's funny you mentioned. Uh, too about kids is that I, I think often because our business too, we're always coming up with content, always yeah. talking about how do we tell a story from another perspective? Because we, yeah, again, with a lot of tried and true things, but there's not an infinite amount. There's like 20 things we need to talk about over and over right. again. And if it weren't for my kids, I feel like I wouldn't have any content because they're always doing something that reminds me, just like you just said, like I made this bet, kind of a bet with Jake, who's my nine-year-old, who's a really can barely hit a golf ball, but we were playing golf in Michigan. We were up in like Harbor Springs right, area yeah. and there was a tree in the middle of the fairway. And like, I'll, I'll, I'll do this story quickly. He's like, dad, can you go over the tree? And I'm like, no way, go over the tree. I, I know I, I'm going to aim for the tree, Jake, because I know I can't hit it. Yes. So I'll go left or right, which you need, you kind of need to split this fairway. He's like, well, what if I hit the tree? I'm like, dude, if you hit the tree, I'm like, I'll give you a hundred bucks. So of course, like the only time he hits, so he nails the tree in the center. He's going ballistic. I give him a hundred bucks like that day. And then we came back from Michigan and he had hid the hundred dollars and he lost it. So we were like three hours into the drive and it was, you know, he's like, oh my God, he was going to pay for something at a gas station and he lost a hundred bucks and he was like crying. He's like, I can't. And so the story was about how, how much worse it was to lose the hundred bucks than it was to win it. And he was psyched. Like he made his day. He was like, this is the best day of my life. But when he lost it, he was like sad about it for days. Oh yeah. So it turned into a story about like, we're just born with this whole like loss aversion thing. Like literally it's genetic. And and, and I got to, I read an article about it. Yeah. But the the, the kid thing really does help us tell our stories yeah. too. No, um, absolutely. My, my, one of my favorite stories is coming home from work one night and uh, Cheryl was at the neighbor's house. My kids have every light in the house on West. Every single light. We had three televisions. Every single TV was on. Guess how many people are watching TV in my house? Nobody. Yeah. My house is like Disneyland. <laughs> so then what we did, we actually took our, you know, this is back when my kids are 26. So uh, we still got the monthly bill in the mail. And so we, we made this game. We took out some graph paper. We made it into a game where let's see how low, like a limbo, let's see how low we can make our bill. Oh, interesting. Okay. And it yeah, was yeah, funny. Yeah. Then I would turn on a TV and I would leave the room to get something to drink to come back. And my son is turn the TV off while I'm, so I completely changed it. But yeah. yeah. Well, tell us how low we get, you got that bill, by the way. What was your record low? God, I don't even remember. I think we had a month. It was, it was in the spring. And I think it was like 12 bucks. Oh, geez. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's ridiculous. Yeah, it was nothing. I'm going to do, I need to do that game with my kids. So when you were first starting podcasts, you weren't expecting to make money. No. At all. No. We how, were just messing around. And how many years before you started to say, wait, that can actually, this is like a real business. How long did that take? We were at a. Um, Asking for a friend. <laughs> yeah, that's right. 
first of all, if you're podcasting for the money, you're in it for the wrong reason. Yeah, number point. one, good point. that's that, that is like job one. Whenever yeah. a new podcaster comes to me and they're like, so when do I monetize? I'm like, dude, get a story first. Yeah. Right. But, uh, we, we, you know, we started off, we had no idea what we were doing. We'd done radio together. Uh, so we knew we had some chemistry, OG, yeah. my co-host yeah. and I, and we, um, but we didn't really, we also knew we didn't want to be the last word in personal finance, like a Dave Ramsey or Susie Orman, mm-hmm. but we weren't going to be that. Um, I also didn't want to yell at people about their money. No offense, but I just didn't want to do that. You need $10 million to retire minimum or else you're going to die in the poorhouse. And a private island. Yeah. Come on. On a private island. On a private island. Unbelievable. Yes, hello. So uh, we we didn't want any of that. We we instead, uh, I'm listening to this podcast. People kept telling me I should have a podcast because all the media stuff I'd done. Yeah. And, And I had no idea of format. One day I'm mowing my lawn and I hear these guys click and clack on Car Talk. I remember them. I grew up with them. Yes. I love them. So for people that don't know Car Talk, Car Talk is this NPR show. They still play it even though one of the guys passed away two Mm. years ago. They still play the show because they're so evergreen. But these guys, these two brothers, they would help people with their cars. And I realized, Wes, that I'm learning nothing about a car. But, but I'm having a blast. Yeah. And all of a sudden I realized at that time, 10 years ago, I couldn't think of anybody that had this show that was kind of really much more fun and surround sound than, mm-hmm. than, you know, like old time radio, hard money lesson. Yeah. 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 And, th- and so that was an original inspiration. That was the original inspiration. We actually, we thought we were taking it seriously. Mm-hmm. I went to a conference called podcast movement, mm-hmm. went to, a, which is in Nashville, um, went to, went to a, uh, one year, I'm, I'm just trying to think of what year it was. I guess it doesn't matter. It was, uh, but within the last 10 years, on the, yeah. yeah, on the main stage, this guy, Roman Mars from 99% Invisible, a great NPR show mm. I have a lot of respect for, was telling me about how they do their show. And I realized that my version of being a professional at this and his were two different things. Mm-hmm. And he was kicking my butt. So we, we changed everything. And that's when we really started thinking about moni- about monetization, about advertisers. Mm -hmm. We had had advertisers before that, but we really got professional. I'm going to say probably year number four, Mm -hmm. three or four. Dig in. If you're a podcaster listening, like dig in. So yeah. Three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. This is obviously the title of this podcast, Retire Sooner, uh, which has been a kind of a, it's been a mantra of mine for years and years before the podcast. And I love this research about happy retirees versus unhappy. And I've spent a decade doing that. Um, but so I want to ask you, Joe, about maybe the cons or the struggles of people retiring and then particularly retiring early. Yeah. Before we do that though, is that you, you, I love the way you, you guys talk a lot about financial advisors. You have a background in financial advisors. You are very clear about saying, Hey, make sure you don't get, you know, fleeced by a financial advisor. Yeah. But you should have a financial advisor. I want to just maybe talk through yeah. that relationship. Yeah. Like, what are you? What are your thoughts on financial advice I, and I, advisors? I was telling somebody about this on the way to the conference today. You and I are at a conference, FinCon, mm-hmm. and um, and if for like the next month, people are going to think I'm just living in Austin. <laughs> by the way. I actually came here to interview Joe <laughs> and yeah, to go to it. the Tamale House, which was started in 1952. Delicious. It's on six tr- Have you been there? No. Oh my god! I heard from everybody. It's delicious. literally like it's. Uh, it's. Like, I had Franklin barbecue yesterday. Was Bam. it amazing? Incredible. I've had a lot I of barbecue. Austin. I'm moving. Being a uh, uh, excuse me, being a Texas guy now, Texas yeah. transplant. A lot of lot of barbecue the last ten years, but 
nothing like Franklin barbecue. But I, I want to move to Austin. But but the yeah. big thing about financial advisors we were talking about is th- th- there are a lot of people that attend this conference, this influencer conference, mm-hmm. this creator conference, who will tell you don't have an advisor. Mm-hmm. And I've always thought that that is the most ridiculous thing on earth. Mm-hmm. I want to surround myself with people that are smarter than me. I want to be the dumbest person in the room. Mm-hmm. I feel like if I do have one time to live this life, I need mentorship and help and I can learn lessons from people that have been there. Mm-hmm. So well. We can debate, is that a licensed financial advisor or somebody who's wealthy and got their X way? What a, but my, my feeling about, quote, advisors mm-hmm. is I should have them. Mm-hmm. I should have a lot. I overpay for coaching. I know I pay too much money for coaching. Mm-hmm. But it's those coaches that always see my blind side. Mm-hmm. And to be arrogant enough mm-hmm. to think that I shouldn't have people on my team protecting my downside. So, and, and, and by the way, when a lot of people talk about they were fleeced by a financial advisor, mm-hmm. they were, and there, there are bad apples out there. There are many, many more people though, that go, well, I don't have a financial advisor because I had a bad experience. Mm-hmm. And then I, I like to turn that question around Wes and say, so did you have a bad experience because you're horrible at interviewing mm-hmm. and you didn't choose the right person to be on your team or do all financial advisors stink? I think the logical conclusion isn't that all advisors stink. I think that, and every smart person I worked with when I was an advisor, I wasn't their only advisor. They had, mm-hmm. you know, diet experts. They had people helping them yeah. train. They do, you know. They, so they believe in help. They believe in coaching. Sure. And, and that's the other thing I, I think that maybe gets lost is that if you think about people that have financial advisors, they're very often extremely smart, extremely productive humans already. Yeah. And I, I think about the thought that they could figure out how to be an advisor. Like it's not as though they couldn't figure it out or be yeah. just as good as maybe their advisor. Yeah. But it's all those other things, the objectivity, the helping with emotion, uh, a second set of, I love the, the way you say about protecting a blind side. Uh, because an advisor might not help you every single day, but even if they help you once or twice a year, it could be a huge thing. Yeah. So your, your point is that choose the right advisor, but also take your own responsibility. That's sure. The, t- talk about that. Well, yeah, you definitely don't want somebody who's going to take it away from you. You need to know about your money. Mm-hmm. You need to know about your goals. You need to know about the fuel that's getting you there. You don't have to know everything about everything, mm-hmm. but you, you certainly need to know what your plan is and what your strategy is because you're the CEO of your life, right? But, but I need people to do, you know, when I was an advisor, I would tell my clients that 95% of what I do, you can do. I just do it mm. faster. Mm-hmm. Like I'm a smart guy. I could make a car. I lived in Detroit. I could make a car. It would run like crap. It'd be horrible. It'd take yeah. me 10 years, but I can do it. <laughs> yeah. I'm a smart dude. I'd rather buy one from, yeah. you know, one of the Detroit auto man- manufacturers. I'd rather do that. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You've done this over the years. You've talked about the kind of the pros and the cons of stopping work to some extent yes. or, and again, a retirement is a, that, that can be defined a lot of ways. Yes. Right? I, I talk about the retirement gray zone. There's full retirement. There's early retirement. 
the mission here is to help a million people be able to retire sooner if they really want to. And that's yeah. different for everybody. I think we, we think of the great parts of early retirement. What are the things that you see, particularly whether it's your traditional age, like, hey, I'm in my 60s and I'm retired, or even some of the younger, the really retire sooner people? Like, what are some of the biggest challenges that we don't see as much or the cons of early retirement? I have a friend named Dusty who just this morning was asking me a question. Her dad just retired. Oh, Dusty's a, a, a woman. Dusty's a woman, okay. yeah. Sorry. And Dusty, she, uh, she, she was telling me her dad just retired, and he's miserable. He's mm. absolutely miserable. Because, Wes, he thought about the money, but he didn't think about everything else. And for mm -hmm. me, retirement's not about the money. It's about the everything else. Every, the, 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 the money is a fuel to, just to get you there. And you think about how many years we're going to be retired for now. We're not going to be retired for five years. Or like, you know, you, you've seen the statistic about when they first created Social Security. Right. And like, the life expectancy was like, you're going to get tomorrow. it and die. Yeah. Right? Right. You're, you're, you're gone right away. And now people are on Social Security for 30 years. Yeah. Right? 30, 35. So this is a whole third of your life you're going to have. And we don't think about what we're going to do. And she said he's miserable and he's driving everybody crazy because he's counting down the days till his wife retires and she doesn't retire for another year. And he continually is like, you think we could just get you retired? He just wants somebody to do stuff with. Somebody to play with. I yes. got nobody to hang out with. Yeah. My dad retired early from General Motors. He was mm -hmm. 30 and out. So he retired at 54. It's a pretty good pension. Pretty great pension. Yep. So 54 years old, retired. You know what he started That's doing, early. Wes? That's early. He started hanging out with guys 20 years older than he was. And then all of a sudden, my dad had all these aches and pains. Huh. All kinds of this thing and this thing. And and my mom and I realized it was because he's hanging out with these nice guys, by the way, yeah. nice people. He's hanging out with 75-year-olds. They're having aches and pains, but all the guys that are 54 aren't, are still working. Yeah. So he had to What really did he do? Hard. Did he turn it around? We, we had to have an intervention. We, really? We, we, we actually had to tell him, we're like, dad, you're hanging out with, the, you need to find people, do things with people your age, not with not with people that are 20 years older than you all the time. And, and he still does things mm -hmm. with these guys, did things with these guys for a long time. But, but he also realized that he needed to find friends that were, that were younger. So what about, have you encountered any even younger than that? Have you, it's kind of these really early retirees? I mean, yeah. that's, 54 is really young. Well, right? here's, here's what I really worry about. Some of the, the fire crowd, which I think is awesome, right? I think it's, yeah. I think it's absolutely awesome. These people that from a young age are already thinking about being financially independent. That's mm -hmm. pretty badass. Yeah. That's cool. It's cool. But what I know and, and, and you know, is that I'm 53 years old. I feel a hell of a lot differently about lifestyle at 53 than I did when I was 40, than mm -hmm. I did when I was 25. So when somebody tells me they've accumulated $400,000 and they're now retiring at 28, I don't want to live in a tent in the woods, Wes. <laughs> I don't, when I was 28, that was cool. That was cool. That was yeah. awesome. But you know what? I'm considerably more bougie now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am way more bougie. I do not want that. Like there's no way. It is interesting. The fire has been around, I don't know, 10, 10 or 15 years, maybe. What's funny is, I mean, I let's feel talk like about they, this for a second. Has yeah. it really? I think it's been around forever. Uh -huh. And yet we kind of. Well, we didn't this, have a good acronym. No, though. we gave it You've this. You've got to have an acronym. <laughs> that's right. There has a great visual to it. Got to have the acronym. The, uh, that's what was missing the whole time. It, it needed its own branding. It's, it's, all, it's always about the PR campaign. But 
I, I almost wonder if that group, and I've had, I've had, I've met with a fair amount of, uh, let's call it the, the, the kids, the adult, the adult children of folks that I've worked with, and they may be 60 or 55 and the kids are 28 and they're on, they're full on fire. Yeah. It's almost as though, at least since the acronym started, it, they we almost haven't even had enough time for the fire movement to even really have a long period of time not working. Well, yes. Like if you're part of fire and you, you're in the middle of it, you may only be five years into living in a tent. And it's like, I always wonder about like, what happens when you have kids? And then you realize that you don't like the school that your kids are in. And you're like, oh, wait a minute, I'm going to have to pay for this. I'm going to pay. It, it does. It's It's just different phases of life that end up, you just don't even know what you don't know when you're 28. But no, I agree. And I also think that it is, I mean, with them, we talk about for older people, it's more, I didn't spend enough time planning what I want to do. I think with with younger people in the fire movement, a lot of these people, Wes, have never experienced a market downturn. Like they were still coming out of college or, or even in high school when mm-hmm. when the, the, the whole problem was happening in 2007, 2008. Mm-hmm. So they basically had an amazing ride in the market too. It certainly a feels like- A big bumps, but it's yes. been an amazing ride. I saw, I saw there was a woman uh, on a Facebook ad I saw a week and a half ago talking about how she was going to teach you the secrets of investing because these financial advisors are talking about 8% and she can easily get 12 well, first of all, if you're hiring your financial advisor based on a rate oh, of return, geez, yeah. you're it's making like a big a, mistake. Gar- there's no guarantees. There is that none. sounds like a guaranteed disaster. It, it, yeah. it absolutely does. And when you start basing your decisions on, I can get a 12% rate of return from somebody that clearly when I saw her, she was too young to be there during that mm-hmm. last downturn. Mm-hmm. I lost my hair between 2007, 2008 and the tech wreck in 2000 to 2002. Like those are brutal years. Yeah, you were an advisor through a really long bear, basically a flat market. Like yeah, two, basically nothing. 2000 to, to 2011. I remember the Dow getting to 10, <laughs> dropping to nine, dropping to eight. Right. And then eventually getting back to 10. It wasn't until year 11 that I was in the business. And I was very young in the business. The first essentially 11 years of being in the investment business, the market went from 10 to 10. To 10. On the Dow. Yes. And yet you've got younger investors that say, forget international Mm -hmm. because international doesn't do anything. Well, if you're me during that period, the U.S. stock market did nothing. If you didn't have international, you you were. Yeah. Yeah. I want to start talking about the book for a minute here. First of all, how... This this is the kind of thing where you have so much content. You've done like a th- I don't know how many, literally a thousand yeah. episodes, interviews, and and part of the idea of the book here, and and I know that you gave a talk here uh, just before you you came in to do the podcast, and it's something. It's a it's kind of the 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 theme of the book or the way you write it is. Hardy Boys Adventure meets like the a, like a Wolf, the Cub Scout guidebook kind of, right? Yes, yes. Um, and then you're trying to take, I can't imagine how you whittle down a thousand episodes of all that advice. So tell us about Stacked. Yeah. Th- again, th- coolest th- name for a book. Thank I you. love it. Thanks. I heard, when I heard the name of your book, I was like, that's an awesome name. <laughs> well, it is co-written by a woman who, who you know very well. Oh, em- Emily Guy Birkin is yes. my co-author. I, yes. yes. I, and I'm actually, before I did a podcast, I had she wrote five years before. Yes. Five years she's before. She's cool. And that book is good. Yeah. yeah. And somehow. we had a lot of fun. She's a sense of humor, much like mine. And for me, it's got to be funny, right? It just, I, I just have to have it fun. Entertaining. And funny. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But um, I did what, what. I think everybody should do if you if your goal is to create anything. Mm-hmm. And by the way, when you retire, you're going to be creating a bunch of stuff in retirement, right? Do those things that you love. So 
uh, Austin Kleon is the guy's name, had a book called Steal Like an Artist. And steal like an artist means take things that you like, that you love, pay homage to them and, and, and make it something that's uniquely you, mm-hmm. but definitely. And like, for example, that's cool. Like, I, I, yeah. For, for example. Yeah. Like you mentioned, I, I was at this great, uh, bookstore in Portland, Oregon, mm-hmm. um, uh, 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 called Powell's. It's, it's a, cool. it's a huge store. Have you been there? No, it's a monster cool. bookstore. It's, it's th- th- what happened was it's a city block. And every time a store would go under its way, I heard the story anyway, a store would go under next to them. They buy that store and they blow out the wall. So th- the floors don't line up. Huh. There's, so, by there's, the way, it's ironic for a bookstore business, right? <laughs> that's right. They, they're yeah. like, Oh, the bookstore will just take over the block, right? Expanding. Wait a minute. Like Sears is just going to take over yes. the world. Wait a minute. Yeah. One thing, cool. and I've been to Portland three times, and one thing Cheryl, my wife, and I love to do is we just go to Powell's and we get lost. Mm-hmm. And you just you just look for inspiration. So I'm in the kids section, and I see the Hardy Boys Detective Manual. And dude, when I was in fourth grade, my brother and I carried this thing around. We dog-eared the pages. We we, we learned how to track bad people. We learned how to <laughs> de- de- it, it, it was written with the help of a real live FBI agent. So hey, yeah, was, I remember Hardy Boys. Yes, I remember reading all. It that. was great. And and the cup and the, and then the were you? I guess you were probably a Boy Scout, right? Or Cub yeah, Scout? I, or? I was a Cub Scout. Yeah, but yeah. So my mom, by the way, she would whenever she'd touch a doorknob, my brother and I are there with the tape, and we're like taking her fingerprint off the like mom didn't do anything bad, but. <laughs> anyway, so I thought, what if there was a book that people, adults, would carry around like I carried that around? Yeah. Like, is there, so that was the spark. Then I came home, and my mom had actually been at my house. She's a key to our house, and she had dropped off this box of my crap. I'm, by the way, I'm 51 years old at the time. My mom's finally letting me have some of my stuff. Right? <laughs> finally. <laughs> like, thank you, Mom. Here are your old Cub Scout badges. Oh, yeah. it was. It was It was like Joey, you know, with the Little League baseball pictures. Yeah. And, yeah, all this The memento stuff. box. Yes. Yeah, that's cool. So, but the Hardy Boys or the Cub Scout Wolf guy was in there. And it's great because, you know, we talk about gamification and money and it yeah. really works. It helps. If you turn it into a game, it's a lot more fun. And, and the Cub Scouts were brilliant at that. Yeah. They tell you things you're going to need and then they outline what you have to do. And then there's a spot at the bottom, you know, you check the box that you did everything and there's a spot for your mom to sign it. Right. Right. That you did <laughs> yes, it at the it bottom. So, well, yeah. so, so stacked was born out of that idea. And I asked Emily and I was lucky she said yes, but it's four sections. The first one is stacking your first Benjamin. Like mm-hmm. how do you build a foundation? Mm-hmm. And then how do you build a stack of? Now, how do you get rolling? How do you start investing? And then how do you protect your stack? And then how do you build stacks upon your stacks? And every every uh, portion of the book is a collection of chapters where you get an achievement. You, mm-hmm. You've got your things you'll need. We explain what you have to do. And at the bottom, there's a spot for your mom to sign that you... Uh, <laughs> See, really, you could have, it's almost like if you're reading this as a dad or a mom, you're, you're talking to the family about it as well. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yes. Uh, you had mentioned too, I know you're very principled about to- basically timeline planning. Yeah. And, and I, I love the, I, I would say one of the most helpful tools, you know, when I started the financial planning business 25 years ago, almost as an, I think as an intern. I was doing the financial plans. The advisors were like, oh, that's, that takes forever. Let the intern do the financial plans because they're actually pretty simple. Yeah. Right? There's yeah. only a few variables. Yeah. Like what you have, how much you're going to save, rate, rate of return, inflation rate. Make sure you get the inflation What are you right? going to spend? Right. Like, okay, it's, not, it's just enough variables to make it complicated enough that you do kind of need a program to do it. But, um, and then what I, what I evolved to over 
let's say many years of working with families is that I was like, you know, why don't we just draw this thing out? Yeah. And then eventually I got it to the point where I would draw my own timeline out. And then I was like, this is maybe even more helpful than a 30 page plan. So I ended up with this like one page retirement plan with almost like architecting it out. But, the, and then I did an algorithm. We actually did it on our, on our website too, but I want you to talk through timeline, like yes. how important that is and just yeah. setting. How do you think about that? We, we call this in the book, by the way, it's chapter one. It's, it's one, w- one rule to rule them all, right? It is one rule. It's like your mate. There yeah. there's, there's one rule, like one ring, you mm-hmm. know, to rule them all. Like Lord of the Rings. We get nerdy, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, 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 but I'll tell you the problem is, is that, so I've, obviously as a podcast host, I read a bunch like you do, a bunch of financial books, mm-hmm. right? And every financial book starts with, what are your goals? Uh-huh. And and so uh-huh. it's become this thing that everybody hears like, yeah, yeah, okay, forget about that. Tell me some good stuff. To the point that Ramit Sadie, who has a fantastic book called I'll Teach You How to Be Rich, I Will Teach You to Be Rich. Mm-hmm. Ramit's book says, all the books start with, 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 you know, what are your goals? I'm gonna give you actionable advice at the beginning. And so I thought about that. I'm like, what's a way to start a book? And I said, you still gotta start with goal setting, mm-hmm. but how do you do that? in a way that's actionable. And it totally is what we do in our financial planning meetings, which is this idea of timelining. Because mm-hmm. what I found when you timeline your goals, so you have you as a stick person over here, yeah, and then you've got this line, and then we put these bags of money. I'd ask you, okay, when do you want, okay, I want Junior to go to college. Wh- wh- when bag do you of want money. them to go to college? There's a bag of money. Do you know how big this bag is? No, we don't. Okay, we gotta figure out that. Uh-huh. When do you wanna retire? What was amazing was when we timeline out the goals and we'd see them in relation to each other, those fueled the great conversations we've had next, which was, guess what? You can't afford both of those. Mm -hmm. So do we have junior help toward their college and I get retirement when I want it? Or do we make sure the kids are good for college and I love my career and I'm going to go a couple years later. I'm going to work a couple more or I'm going to, I'm going to live on less. Right? So timelining. The one rule of all the rules. Was 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 timeline your goals? Yep. Okay. With a one rule. One rule to rule them all. One rule to okay. rule them all. Riffing on the Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Yes. Not as fun as Chapter Six, by the way. Which is what? Which is what to expect when you're investing. Which is a ripoff of what to expect when, when you're when expecting. expecting. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Did you come up with that or Emily Guy? Burkin? I came up with that one. That's good. Emily came up with How a lot of stuff. How did you meet her, by the way? Uh, 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 Just podcasting. The, yeah. And... The show. The community. The. And then she and I, I don't remember what it was, but just our nerd humor. It was. In, she's in cool though. She's, she and was, she's a good writer. We, we laughed our heads off writing the book. Was it hard was, to do the, the collaborative writing thing? We split it in two. She uh-huh. wrote half of it and I wrote half of it. And then we took the chapters uh-huh. and she put her voice on my chapters and I put my voice on hers. Oh, cool. So they'd be much more smoothed out. And, um, and that made it really, it, that made it, it really easy. I'll, I'll tell you, a lot of people say that writing a book is hard and it is hard, but I hear from some authors, it's painful. Nothing about writing this book was painful. Mm. It was super, super fun. You know, I don't, where would I land on that? I, I would go, I, I, I guess I always would think of it this way is that I love, I don't like writing, but I love having written. Yeah. And I am so glad that I, that this one though, the, the, what the happiest retirees know, I did like, I love doing it, but the editing process on this one was just like, there's so, there, there's so many years of research and so many different charts and these relationships between money and happiness. The editing of it was like seven rounds. And yeah. by like round four or five, I was like, Mallory, can you just please do the rest of this? <laughs> 
And then, and then I remember like going over it again and like the sixth time and I'm like, this is, this isn't quite right. And I'm like, how many times do we have to go over that? Anyway, finally, I, I, hopefully there's no, we had the same thing. We had a, took we, forever. We had an editor, we had, uh, three alpha readers and they all, what, I don't even know what that, what's Buddha, an alpha reader? Uh, first round reader, like yeah, somebody that's yeah. going to be, oh, you have like an alpha reader beta. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So go through the, I, I think it's software development terms. Barrel. Yeah. I have yeah. no idea, <laughs> but yeah, so they're reading it in it's ugliest form. And uh, they gave us some brutal comments. And I thought when we turned it into penguin random house, that this was going to be like golden. And then that's Nina, what you expect, right? You're like, God, I put yes. my heart and soul into this. And you, this is my baby. You love my baby. Yes. It's pretty. Right. And like, then Nina gets a hold of it. And Holy <laughs> cow. My book was more red than than black words on so, the page. There was so much red. But you know what? She was a ninja. She it, she, she could, was helpful. She could say things in one word that took Emily and I six. Mm -hmm. And like you said, Emily's written what I think five books. She's a great writer. This was yeah. my first book, and and she could just she could she could say what we wanted to say so much better. It was awesome. I'm in awe. The the other great thing about too once the book forces you just to to have. A, a set of things that you can quickly get to because it's a blessing to have a thousand podcasts and a thousand interviews, but it's also can be a curse if you don't wrangle it. And the book forces yes. you to wrangle your, yes. your best stuff. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. One more financial planning topic is income. Yes. So income is a center of a lot of the, the investment side I like to, to think through. What do you tell me about income for you? Wow, income like how do in I in general make, like whether it's or, income, income during retirement? Income Here's a statistic that that um, from my, one of my research verticals has been about the the number of different income sources. So it's what's le the, the amount of income I found is less, and this is in relation to retirement happiness. And you can mm -hmm. define happiness a lot of different ways. It can be comfort, peace of mind. I call it happiness in all all of my writing. But the number, and I asked the question, if I do this with an audience, would you rather have one $10,000 check every month comes to the mailbox or 10 $1,000 checks come to the mailbox? Yeah. And immediately I start to think, just give me the one $10,000 check. And then you start to think, what if the mailman doesn't come? Or what if like this one source gets cut off? Yeah. Um, so the thought here is that having 10 $1,000 checks gives you tributaries to run into a big stream. Yes. And there's a huge piece of mind to that. And, and in the research I have, it's happy retirees actually have three, let's call it three, three and a half different yes. income sources. Yes. Whereas the unhappy group has two, closer to two and a half or That's less. interesting. So there, there's something about the, the diversification of how I get my income that is literally leads to a greater peace of mind. And it's less about the, 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 the nominal value and more about getting it in different ways. So I just want to ask it's, you about it's, that. It's like peace of mind, you're saying. It's, it, it, yeah. it's, it, it's got to be. Like, we tend to worry about the one thing, mm -hmm. right? When there's 500 great things going on in your life, we worry about the one bad thing. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like that's there's something that there. could be part of it. Yeah, so my basic thoughts about income have changed a lot. I, I mm -hmm. still believe the number one way to get more money if you work for 
somebody else, ask for a raise. Mm -hmm. Studies show that your boss usually wants to give you a raise and is open to it. Earmuffs. Um, <laughs> your, bo your boss, Earmuffs your boss totally wants to give you one, but, but you haven't asked. Mm -hmm. uh, now, you can't go in and say, hey, I need more money. Like you have to build a case for yourself. You have mm -hmm. to build why and, and how you'd be more valuable to the team. But every study shows that's great. So that, and I've known that stat for a long time, and I've seen that updated by Glassdoor and other people mm -hmm. on an ongoing basis. That hasn't changed. What's changed, though, is my mindset around what you're talking about, these secondary income sources. Mm -hmm. I used to think, why would you want to have a side hustle? Why would, you have a, why, why would you have a side business when you can get really good at this one thing? Hmm. Yeah. And then I was talking to, again, the guy I mentioned earlier, Austin Cleon, was on our show. And, and I presented that to him. Um, because he talks about having these side things. I'm like, why would you have all these side things? And you know what he said that was really cool? He said, the side gigs that you have actually inform your main thing. So mm -hmm. he said that he, he likes to play guitar as an example. He doesn't make any money on it, mm -hmm. but he likes to play guitar. And he has some of his best ideas about his business when he's playing guitar. Cool. And, and I find that when I'm, when I'm deep buried in work about the podcast or the mm -hmm. making of the podcast, I, I don't get any creative stuff out of that, Wes. I get creative thoughts when I'm on mile six of a 10 mile run out on the trail, you know? It is weird. I would love to know the phenomenon. No, no one's ever explained to me why I would say about 90% of my ideas come between when come within about 20 minutes of waking up and uh, being getting ready for work. Like for yeah. some reason between brushing teeth, shaving, that routine, it's like almost I can visually remember my f first book idea came to me that more. I don't know, it's what it is, but yeah. It's I get like 20 minutes a day where all my ideas come and then yeah. the other 24 hours. 23 hours and <laughs> just know, working 40 minutes. It's like a blank slate. Uh, let me ask you too about the, the, the podcast. Cause you guys are, are the Kings of this industry. Um, I know you know this, but I'm going to remind you, you guys had started, um, the almost a genre of financial advice. It's like fun. Like you kind of were the people that started that. Now there's other, now there's other shows yeah. that kind of do that. Yeah. Uh, what do you think is next one and two, how do you guys can just consistently keep coming up with new and entertaining stuff? I think, well, thank you for all that. Um, we, we have worked very hard, but the, oh yeah. Hard work, by the way, that's one thing. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. That's part of the recipe. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, that's real. Yeah. Yeah. There's days it still sucks. Yeah. There are days, but yeah. generally you have to, I don't know, Wes, I, I look at this, I think, differently than some financial podcasters think about it. I look at it as an art form. I look mm -hmm. at it as this creative endeavor that I'm doing. I'm not trying to shove uh, uh, financial tidbits in my listeners, down my listeners' throat. And don't get me wrong, I want the show to be smart and I want there to be tidbits. Yeah. But, I, but I'm much more interested in it being creative and, fun. and entertaining so that really our goal is to have new people that, that wouldn't talk to you or me that we're welcoming them into this community, right? Yeah, you want people to, your education and then kind of, I guess communication about money yes. is really important to Absolutely, you. we want it to be smart. So we'll do a bunch of financially adjacent stuff. That keeps it fun. Mm -hmm. Like when I'll talk to a historian, we talked to General Mary Kay Eater recently about uh, the, 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 her book is called The Girls Who Stepped Out of Line. And it's actually, 
you ever watched the uh, the marvelous Mrs. Maisel? You know, I, I I think I have like that on my saved list. Fantastic I haven't show. I haven't uh, watched it yet. Show. Yeah, obviously, it's, a, it's an Amazon Prime. Yes, isn't it? Yeah. won a bunch of awards. The woman who plays her manager on that show gave a speech at the Emmys when she was accepting her Emmy about her grandmother, and that her grandmother was in a line mm-hmm. in Nazi Germany. Mm-hmm. And she knew that she was going to be shot in the back by a soldier and fall into a mass pit. They mm-hmm. knew that she was walking toward it. And the woman said to the guard, she said, what would happen if I stepped out of line? And the guard said, well, I don't have the heart to shoot you, but somebody will. So she stepped out of line. And then the woman had her trophy and she said, I wouldn't even get this trophy if it weren't for my grandmother stepping, stepping out of line. Out of line. And so we talked about this bravery and about, about how we're dealing with these little things and we have trouble doing these little things, right? When it comes to our financial money, we have trouble managing our credit card or doing these things. And Mary Eater's talking about these women that did these incredibly courageous things. So we're trying to take these things that ostensibly have nothing about money mm. and hopefully marry them to money. But it's mostly about keeping it fun for us, Wes. I mean, we keep changing the show mm-hmm. to make it fun to make. If it's not fun for me, how do I expect anybody else to have fun listening to it? So it so you just have to continue to to work at this and when we talk about different income streams, the it is hundred percent of your time or what it is it's a hundred percent it is yep I do this as my well, and your book I do this as my full time gig yeah but I, I guess stacking Benjamins because as you know they're all combined yeah it's yeah it's together, no longer yeah. being a and this is what my talk was about that I just came from that that, that we're no longer podcasters mm-hmm. I started off as a podcaster now you're Joe Salcihi and stacking Benjamins and we mm-hmm. kind of got to find people where they are so we're now mm-hmm. venturing into YouTube we just started a TikTok channel I don't I'm fifty three years old what the hell am what I doing on TikTok yeah. I know <laughs> uh, doing more kids will show me TikTok. So yeah, TikTok's cool. Yeah. Instagram live, Instagram reels, doing mm-hmm. just trying to meet our audience everywhere now. Mm-hmm. So yeah. And you have a whole, how big is the team by the way? Uh, six of us. Okay. There's six so, of us. Yes. Tell us about your, you, some of your sponsors. You help Navy. Navy Federal. federal and then, Navy Federal Credit Union is a sponsor of ours. It, They're Pet great. Too, or? Well, we did a thing for PetSmart that was pretty fun. Talking about how Cooper the cat's the most important employee in the basement. That was fun. Cooper's the most important. Yes. Cooper. Mallory has not brought any of her cats. <laughs> Pumpkin Spice Latte hasn't showed up on the set just yet. No, is your cat named Pumpkin Spice Latte? Yeah. Oh, that's the best name. <laughs> I is thought it? Cooper was a cool name, but Pumpkin Spice Latte? I think that wins the day. Um, amazing. It's By the so way, it's awesome. We fight about pumpkin spice latte on our show because I love them. And OG thinks that they're, 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 they're too, too feminine sweet. for him. No, too feminine. Su- too, well, to me, they're too like, they're just too sweet. No, they're great. Oh, you, you're, I, I'm going to say. I can't. Interview's over. I'm out. <laughs> Where are, uh, are you going to drink a beer later tonight? I hope so. Okay. Yes. I'm going to come try to find I'm you. I'm hosting the Plutus Awards. By the way, that's a good organization. The Plutus Foundation. Tell, yeah, tell, tell us a little bit about Plutus. Yes, please. The Plutus Foundation. I'm on the board, so mm-hmm. I'll tell you I'm very biased, but they- Unobjective they, advice here. Yes, very, un, I'm not objective <laughs> at all. But I do think there's so many unheard voices and there's so many niche issues and people mm-hmm. that think that you know financial literacy is beyond them. Mm-hmm. You look at the number of people who don't have bank accounts because, mm-hmm. and, and it's not because they don't know better, Wes. You know, they do know better. It's because they they don't trust banks. Mm-hmm. They'd rather go to a payday lender than to a bank. And so, so Plutus helps is a foundation that helps creators reach some of those niche areas mm-hmm. where we we definitely need uh, people. People need more help. Wait, so Plutus creators, as in 
artists, podcasters. T- tell me, yeah, tell the who's the foundation audience. would yeah. help if you had a project mm-hmm. where you wanted to f- to find an underserved community mm-hmm. and go in there with whatever it is. There's a woman that uh, pl- that the Plutus Foundation helped who has like a bookmobile, mm-hmm. in I believe it's Baltimore, uh, but it's all finance stuff. So she brings the bookmobile with financial yeah. literacy stuff into a neighborhood where you know th- where they could definitely use it. And you guys help raise money for Plutus yes. to be able to support these yes. projects. And so the Plutus Awards mm-hmm. is 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 to help the Plutus Foundation. And that's tonight here in Austin. And that's tonight. And they're we're we're recognizing a lot of the best and brightest creators. What else are you doing today between now? You you've already given a keynote, you've already given a talk. I You're going to host the Plutus Awards. I go Awards. from here to warm up uh, to to the walkthrough. Then we do, we're doing a live recording of the Stacky Benjamin show. Then OG and I are going to my hotel room where we're recording an episode. Okay. And then I'm doing the Plutus Awards. And then I'm finding Wes and getting drunk. Yes. I can't wait for that. (laughs) Uh, I can't wait for that tonight. Uh, Really, Joe, just very cool to have you on here. Uh, It's cool that we're in Austin, my favorite second, third home city. You are somebody I've wanted to meet for a long time. So I'm so happy that we, we, we got to meet finally. Uh, well, God bless you. Thank you for coming. And uh, it's always educational to hear from you. So, and uh, and when when does Stack, Stack's already out? No, December, oh. December 28th. I should say that too. December 28th, the book comes out. Um, pre-sale? Yes. And you is know- Is it ready for pre-sale? It is. Okay, you cool. know, You know, as an author, and, and by the way, this is for everybody. If, if, if you want- financial literacy and you want more people to know about financial literacy, getting people like you and I and any other creator on these lists Mm -hmm. is so important to get the word out. So Mm. whether it's my book, your book, anybody's book, if you want to see more people uh, uh, in this community, uh, pre pre pre-order their book Mm -hmm. because hopefully that moves us up to Amazon rankings, which Mm -hmm. people then see that. And maybe, you know, maybe the wall street journal rankings or heaven Mm -hmm. forbid, we hit the big time and get the New York times, but that's all, as you know, it's all pre-sale. It's all pre-sale. Well, actually I didn't realize that until the last couple of months. My team has told us that. Yes. Is that if you're pre, I guess if the pre-orders, then it's almost like, you know, 50,000 people buy the book all at one time. And then that's how you get to on the list. So pre-order stacked, stacked wherever you find books or just go to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash stacked. Awesome. Joe. So great, man. Awesome. (laughs) Thanks for coming. Thank you. Hey y'all, this is Mallory with the Retire Sooner team. Please be sure to rate and subscribe to this podcast and share it with a friend. If you have any questions, you can find us at westmoss.com. That's W-E-S-M-O-S-S.com. You can also follow us on Instagram and YouTube. You'll find us under the handle Retire Sooner Podcast. And now for our show's disclosure. This podcast is provided to you as a resource for informational purposes only and is not to be viewed as investment advice or recommendations. This information is being presented without consideration of the investment objectives, risk tolerance, or financial circumstances of any specific investor and might not be suitable for all investors. It is not intended to and should not form a primary basis for any investment decision that you may make. Always consult your own legal, tax, or investment advisor before making any investment or financial planning considerations. Please refer to the full disclosure in the podcast description for any additional information.